Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 9 through uh, 13. You may just recognise these verses. Uh, I hope you recognise these uh, verses. Um, I'm sure you do. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Uh, In this manner, Jesus says, Therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. See, you're all just about to say amen, aren't you? Because you're so used to saying I think we'll say this together, shall we? Just starting from our Father. Uh, We don't often do this, but let's do it this morning. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory Forever and ever. Amen. Just trying to sort this connection here. Okay. The Lord's Prayer. They say on Easter Sunday, around the world, in churches, about 2 billion people repeat this prayer. I don't know how they counted them, but this is what they tell me. 2 billion people say this prayer. In fact, in... uh, 1662, a law was passed in the United Kingdom that in every church, everyone would say this prayer, the prayer that you've just said, 1662. I don't think that law uh, still, <laughs> still stands. Uh, I wasn't born in 1662, despite what Linda says. But when I was born, about 20 or 30 years ago, uh, I became... I became, what are you laughing at, Abby? I became a member of uh, the United Kingdom. Automatically, I became a member. Anywhere and everywhere I go in this world, I I enjoy the benefits of being part of this kingdom. If I get into trouble, I can go to a United Kingdom embassy And whether that's a room or whether that's a house or whether that's a huge building or an estate, that place is a refuge for me and it's a refuge for you if you travel abroad. It is literally the United Kingdom in that little piece of uh, ground in a foreign country. So this morning we're going to look at uh, Thy Kingdom Come. We're going to look at thy kingdom come. The part of the Lord's Prayer that I want to look at is thy, there it is, thy kingdom come. So if you go into, uh, or go abroad into a foreign country, and you get into difficulties, 
whether it's in Russia, whether it's in Saudi Arabia, or Israel, Syria, America, South America, Brazil, wherever you go, that piece of territory is important because it's just like being in the very centre of London. That piece of territory to you is as important as what 10 Downing Street is here in the United Kingdom. When I became a Christian, when you became a Christian, if you are a Christian, I literally became a part of another kingdom. This time, it was the kingdom of God. Uh, Why did I become a part of that kingdom? I was already part of the United Kingdom. Why did I become part of another kingdom? I joined that kingdom because I recognized I was in trouble. I was in the kingdom of man, and I was a sinner. I recognized those two things. And the kingdom that I was a part of, the United Kingdom, whilst it had some benefits here and now, it didn't give me any benefits eternally. And I saw and I recognized, even as a young boy, a great truth that I needed to join and seek the kingdom of God. Now, in our news, in our newspapers, we see people from all over the world seeking to come to the United Kingdom, don't we? It's wall-to-wall coverage. They travel from, like, everywhere to seek the kingdom that most of us just have as part of our inheritance. They seek to come here. They pay a terrible price, some of them, to come here, losing loved ones, losing all sorts of things, because they're seeking a different life. And they're desperate, desperate, often amazingly desperate for something that we take for granted. Actually, they come for nine basic needs. Nobody ever say this on the TV, but this is true. A guy called Abraham Maslow, who's a behavioral scientist and psychologist, documented the nine basic needs common to all people of every culture. Now, well, you'll know some of these basic needs. The number one basic food, uh, I'm giving you now, the number one basic, basic uh, need is, as I said, food. Number two is water. Number three, coming after food and water, is clothes. Number four is housing. Number five is protection. Number six is security. Number seven is preservation. Number eight is a a funny word, two words, self-actualization. I'll talk about that in a second. And number nine is significance. That's the order that people feel is the most important needs that they have. Food, water, clothes, housing, protection, security, preservation, self-actualization, and significance. The first ones are the most, most basic needs. You try to go this week without food and water, then you'll realize just how important and why they're number one and number two. Then clothes. Uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw a, a news report, a newspaper report the other day there that somebody was walking naked through Doncaster and I thought, why on earth would you do that? <laughs> why would you want to do that? Doncaster. Who, who's from Doncaster again? Yes. Interesting sort of people from Doncaster. <laughs> uh, and 
just don't ever think you're bringing Doncaster here, just in case. <laughs> uh, so food, water, clothes, housing, protection. And after those basic needs are met, and often the people coming to the United Kingdom to get those things, food, water, clothes, housing, protection, after those basic needs are met, then a man or a woman start to look at progressing their own personal situation. They start to think about security. How, how am I going to be secure? Look about preservation, preserving what they get and what they've got and who they are. And then self-actualization, which basically just means, self-actualization means getting out of you what you have in you. What has been, we know, God puts gifts in us. God puts all sorts of abilities and skills in us. And self-actualization is getting out of you what God has put in you. And that's why you see people jumping off wagons, jumping off or queuing up at visa offices or passport control or going through tunnels or whatever. They have those nine basic needs in mind. And they want to come to the United Kingdom to get these nine things that they basically need. It goes from food through to expressing their gifts and their abilities. Well, in the book of Matthew, Jesus describes... The kingdom of God. Not the United Kingdom. He describes the kingdom of God. And he goes against completely the theory that we have just explained. You see, we know, don't we, that food, water, clothes, housing, protection, security, preservation, self-actualization, and significance are the nine most important things. And yet, in the book of Matthew, Jesus went completely against those things. He says the kingdom, God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is different from our own kingdom, the united kingdom. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he tells us, he says, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you're going to, number one, eat, food. Or what you will, number two, drink. Nor about your body, what you'll put on. Number three, clothes. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor they gather into bands, yet your Father, Heavenly Father, feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, number one, two, and three. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first, what? The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. Seek those two things, and what's going to happen? All these other things are going to be added to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough hassle and trouble of its own. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
Jesus says, don't worry what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. And we think, don't we, what happens if that happens? What will happen if this comes? If this letter comes? Or I get that phone call. What's going to be come of us? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? And we worry because we're looking at the abilities within us and around us. And we worry and we struggle to trust that everything's going to be okay because we are trusting in ourselves and our abilities and our skills. And we have very little faith uh, in ourselves. But Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. And the man who I used to love here preach said this, Alan Redpath. He says, before we can pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, my kingdom go. (laughs) And all of us, don't we, have a little kingdom. We have a little plan. We have a little project. What What we'll do is this, and we'll do this, and we'll do that, and we'll do the next thing. Before we can pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, my kingdom go, exit. Jesus preached the kingdom. Jesus taught the kingdom. And he says the kingdom of God is absolutely different from the kingdom of man. But which kingdom do I pay attention to on a daily basis? Thy kingdom come. Just say it. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And when you put first things first, second things become second. Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All what things? All these things. All what things? Verses 25 to 32 that we read. Food, drink, clothes, all the things that we worry about, the nine basic needs, all those things will be added to you. Jesus says, don't start worrying about these things, but seek first the kingdom. And all the other stuff that you're fretting about will be added to you at a later stage, worry-free, stress-free. And if we would stop seeking the stuff and start seeking the kingdom, automatically we will stop worrying. So in your job, for instance, I don't know whether you realize this or not, but you don't work for your boss. Whoever your manager or boss or first in line is, you work for the king of kingdom, king of kings. And if you would start working with him in mind, I'll tell you something, you'll start impressing your boss. (laughs) You don't go in to clock in for them. You go in to clock in for him. And you will impress your boss as you work for him. And blessings, I believe, will come. Or in your studies, if you're studying. You don't study for your lecturer or to get the grade or for your mother or for your father. You study for the king of kings. That's who you belong to. And if you study with him in mind, guess what? Your studies will improve. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, 
whatever your situation, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not your human master. The Christian should be the best employee a business can have. <laughs> Matthew six twenty four. you cannot serve two masters. There's only one king of kings. I read some statements this week which were wonderful. The United Kingdom's queen, this is what she has said in the last few years. She said this, I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings and to put my trust in God. That's what she said. Then she said, Although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us us that sometimes we need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, although they are important, but a savior with the power to forgive. Then she said, To many of us, our beliefs are of fundamental importance. For me the Queen says, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. One more. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It can heal broken families. It can restore friendships. It can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. The queen herself recognizes there's someone above her. There's someone that she needs to bow the knee to on a daily basis. Now, if our queen needs to bow her knee to the king of kings, if she gives her best with him in mind, then there's absolutely no doubt that we need to submit to the same Lord. And the day you were born, you were like me. And the way you were like me was you arrived totally and utterly naked. Nobody came with clothes on. But from the day you were born, you were clothed, you were fed, you were nursed, you were educated by mummy or daddy or mummy and daddy. Until there came a day when you began to take responsibility for yourself. Then it became your responsibility to clothe yourself, to provide for yourself, to educate yourself, and so forth. And that was the day, and every day since, that many people started to worry, they started to stress, they started to be anxious. Previously, mummy, daddy, auntie, uncle, brother, sister were responsible. And then one horrible day, you woke up and realized... <laughs> This is down to me. I'll have to get a job. That horrible three-letter word, job. Sorry, this microphone's still going. Um, I'll have to get a job. And you were suddenly realizing, I have to look after myself. And that was the day we started to stress often. And every day, new worries, new fears, until sometimes even became too much, 
and you found yourself paying a visit to a, a, a little house in the center of the village or the town or the city, and it's called the doctors. And you said to the doctors, I don't seem to be able to cope. Why can't you cope? Well, I can't sleep. Why can't you sleep? Well, I'm worrying about this, and I'm anxious about that one to nine. It's in there somewhere. And every day seems to pass, and a new worry arrived. Well, the day you were born into the kingdom of God, Jesus gave us some guidelines. It's called the Bible. Lo and behold. And I noticed also with the Queen, she was presented a Bible the day of her coronation by the moderator of the Church of Scotland. And he said to her on the 2nd of June, 1953, Our gracious Queen, to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and of the gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian um, princes, we present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. I wonder if I can swap microphones. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. And these wisdom, that wisdom, those guidelines are the opposite of what you've been taught generally. Mummy and Daddy taught you, look after number one. Make sure you get a good job. Make sure you look after yourself. And that's what your old nature learned. But Jesus gave us new guidelines in Matthew 6. The guidelines of the kingdom of God. And where we go wrong as Christians is we try to live for the kingdom of God within the guidelines of the kingdom of man. And we get, we get torn apart. We worry about life. We worry about clothes as men. We worry about how we're going to provide. We don't seek the kingdom of God, but we want the benefits of the kingdom of God. We continue to operate under the rules of the old kingdom that we've gone away from. And uh, I'll give you an example of that. When, when you go abroad or I go abroad and we're foolhardy enough to go to Avis car hire or wherever and we hire a car. And most times when you do that, you re recognize one thing. When you leave the parking lot, you recognize I'm in a new kingdom because suddenly rather than driving the left-hand side of the road, you're now driving on the right-hand side of the road. You have different rules, different expectations, because you're under the authority of a different kingdom. And if you're foolhardy enough to try and operate from the kingdom of the United Kingdom's rules and regulations, when you go into Spain or in America or France or wherever, you're, you'll be in a crash pretty soon because they drive in a different side of the road. And if you happen to do that, you'll find that their law begins to educate you, sometimes harshly. And some people who you don't know, you'll think, do they know me? They're waving at me, but they're not waving at you. They're actually making some gestures at you. 
And <laughs> they have relatives who live over here too. They make gestures too if, if you happen to go wrong. That's the law, you see. And you're breaking the law. That's the kingdom of man. And people will grant you no grace and no favor. And they will correct you ever so quickly and efficiently. And you'll find there is no forgiveness. Well, God's kingdom does not operate that way. Praise God. Because the law in God's kingdom is called, in a sense, the law of grace. What does grace mean? Grace means undeserved favor. And the king of the kingdom of God, the king of the kingdom of heaven, is slow to anger. Not like the authority, the law, in other countries or even this country. Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. And mistakes are allowed in this kingdom. Mistakes are forgiven in this kingdom if you're in it. Ahead of the time. Past sins are forgiven. Present sins are forgiven. Future sins are forgiven. That's grace. That's favor. That's undeserved favor. Hebrews 9 verse 26. Christ appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 1 John 2 verse 12. I write to you, John said in his first epistle, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. You walked in here this morning a forgiven sinner because you are part of another kingdom. And the Greek in that verse for forgiven is what they call a perfect participle. A perfect participle means something that has happened in the past but is continuing into the present. It's happened back there, but it continues on. And the day that we truly believed in Jesus, then God forgave us, was the day that he declared you perfection. Perfect. So we now live and respect and honor God's kingdom. And all the things that are ultra-important in the old kingdom are no longer important or take first place in the new kingdom. He says, don't worry about them. Maybe you came in this morning worrying about clothes, worrying about how to pay for the food, water. Maybe you're worrying about some of the other nine things. God says, don't worry about them. Seek first my kingdom, and all these other things will come behind you. They'll chase you down. And whatever you give up from the old kingdom, God takes into account in the new kingdom. How do I know that? I know that from a conversation that Peter had with Jesus. It's outlined in Luke 18. Peter says to Jesus, Hey, listen, we've left all we had to follow you. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Peter. No one who's left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. So you know from your conversation, that Pe- from the conversation Peter had with Jesus, what you give up of the old kingdom, and you go into the new kingdom, Jesus says, anything you give up for me, 
I'm going to restore to you, not just once, but many times. The Bible says, you give up stuff from the old kingdom, and I'll make it good in the new kingdom. Let me just finish. Number one, God wants us to live and breathe his kingdom, not the old kingdom. What are you doing? Are you living and breathing the old system or the new system? Are you driving on the left-hand side of the road when you should be driving on the right-hand side of the road? Are you worrying this week about how you're going to get clothes, how you're going to get food, how you're going to get water, how you're going to explore and express who you are, whatever it is? God says, don't worry about any of that. That's the old kingdom. He says, we should be exclusively kingdom of God's people. And when we take care of that kingdom, then that king takes care of us. If you fall into such a bad way in the United Kingdom and you hit the safety net, whatever the safety net is, the United Kingdom steps in <laughs> in all its wonderful way. And you'll get a, a small amount to help you get through, basically, isn't it? That's the, it's the welfare system that us British have. Whatever its pros and cons, there is something there. Sometimes it's better than other countries. Sometimes it's not as good as other countries, but it's a safety net of some description there. Well, it's in God's kingdom. He says, I'm going to look after you. From the day you gave your life to me to the day you returned to me, I am your God. I am your provider. I am Jehovah Jireh. Test me he says. Test me and see if I don't throw out all the abundance of heaven to you. Test me because we serve a God not of addition. We serve a God of multiplication. And for every seed that we sow into God's kingdom, we get a bountiful harvest. Sometimes it's not the harvest you expected. Sometimes the harvest doesn't come as you would expect it. But the kingdom of God is good, good soil. And my life and your life on a day-to-day basis shows you, shows me what kingdom is most important. What kingdom you're living up to and into. Just by your actions, by what you do, by what you don't do. Our life shows it. And we should be dealers in the new kingdom, not drug dealers, but dealers of grace. So when somebody barks in your face, you give them undeserved favor. When somebody gets horrible with you, difficult with you, obnoxious with you, instead of reflecting back what they do to you, you reflect back the new kingdom, God's grace, God's love. And you know what? This is a little aside. That will annoy them even more. They expect you to become obnoxious with them because they're being obnoxious with you. But when you show grace, undeserved favor, it blows them away because they know they don't deserve it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven shows you grace. What are you translating that into? 
What's, what are you giving out to your fellow man, your fellow believer, your relatives, your wife, your husband, whoever it is? What are you giving out to them? Are you giving out to them what God is giving out to you? Lord, thy kingdom come. Every day, every situation, every problem. Lord, thy kingdom come. Lord, thy kingdom come. Just say that once again with me. Lord, thy kingdom come. Now, say it again and think of the issues in your life, your problems, your relationships, your issues, your fears, your worries, your stresses. Say over them. Say it again. Lord, thy kingdom come. In every problem. Lord, thy kingdom come. Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come in my marriage, in my family, in my problems, in my bank account, in my church, in my relationships, in my job, in my studies. Thy kingdom come. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we can celebrate this morning because in a sense, when we go next week, we'll see your kingdom come. We'll see what you are doing for your sons and your daughters in a very practical way. Lord, we bless you. We honor you. You are the king. You are the Lord of lords. We bow our knee to you. Every king, every queen around the world, every prime minister, every president will bow the knee to Jesus. If they do it now, great. But one day they will do it they'll suddenly realize what we know. He is the King. He is the Lord of Lords. We are on the winning side. Our side has won. We are on on the winning side. We've won. We've won. We've won. The result is in. We win. Now we need to celebrate that we've won in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we give, in all that we honor, and whatever we sow, we need to celebrate the fact the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has won. And good news is, we're on the winning side. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning, and you don't know that you're on the winning side. Well, today could be the day when you joined from the losing side to the winning side. When you go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When you go from the kingdom of man into the kingdom of God. Maybe today's your day. When you recognize you've made a mess of it. When you recognize that you need help. Counselors haven't helped. Psychiatrists haven't helped. But you've never come to Jesus. This could be your day. The day the most important day when you hand over everything, every problem, every situation, every stress, every worry, every fear to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. That will become a day that's more important than your birthday. It will be the day that you become born again. Not physically, but spiritually. 
wonderful day. Father, each of us right now is reaching out to you in a different way. Help us, Lord, as we reach out to you to receive what you're offering us back, forgiveness, love, compassion, healing, grace. Help us to receive it, Lord, with open hands, open hearts, open spirits. Receive what you've got for us. Just receive them now. Just receive them. Maybe in salvation. Maybe offering up your life as a living sacrifice again. Maybe deciding that the old kingdom hasn't worked and you're going into the new kingdom. Whatever it is, say, Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.